And welcome in everybody to, nope, wrong one. Hold on, I gotta think taller. Um, saludos and salutations, Broncos country. And welcome to another exciting episode <laughs> of Broncos Talk. <laughs> How was that? Was that good? That works. <laughs> it's almost, I am, it's um, almost like I have a John beside me. I know, right? I am Mundungus <laughs> Creamy here filling in for a five foot ten white chick. Um, here next to my co-host Richie Richie. What's going on, Rich? Hey man, how are you doing? Pretty good. We want to make sure that everybody is liking, subscribing, sharing, commenting, turning on notifications so you can get alerted anytime we go live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Now, while today is Broncos Talk, we also have the MHRT podcast, which is a flagship show every Thursday at 7654. The Nothing Rives, the Orange and Blue podcast every Friday at 7654. And the Neighborhood pregame show that airs before every Broncos game. Now, we just had a victory Monday because we kicked the absolute snot out of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, we Very did. exciting. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was... Uh... It, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit surprised. Uh, my prediction on the neighborhood was, we'll just say wrong. Um, although I did call a few other things uh, about the game, which I was pretty pleased with uh, to see. But uh, in terms of what I saw from that game, uh, you know, it leaves you wondering as a Broncos fan, where was that, you know, from the beginning of the season? Because you have to think that if we were able to come up with that kind of level of energy, you know, maybe from week two on, right? You have to, you know, you give up that one week for, you know, the, the, you know, all the issues to get worked out in that first game there. But from week two on, where was that sense of urgency right out of the gate for our team? Where was that kind of control that we were showing with the run game? All of those things would have made a world of difference. And we could have put up probably 30 or 40 on our first two, our, our second and third opponent, if we played like we did against the Cowboys. Well, now let me let me put this to you. And, and I heard this when I was listening to uh, Broncos country tonight. I heard it on uh, Locked on Broncos. All the ones I've been listening to where they said, listen, Von Miller was the leader of the locker room. When you look at Von Miller, he's a laid back, relaxed, chill kind of guy. And when you're being held accountable, you're not being held accountable to um, a certain intensity level. Like you're, they're going to come over to you and be like, hey, listen, this is, this is what happened. This is what you did wrong. We need to fix it. So once Vaughn left, it was kind of up to everyone else in that locker room to be like, okay, this is the level that we're going to hold you accountable to. This is the energy that we need. And we can no longer rely on Vaughn Miller to go do some stuff. We have to do it ourselves. So I'm not taking anything away from Vaughn Miller, but I think that since... Fangio has gotten to the Broncos his way of how he wanted to coach and the way the Von Miller holds people accountable didn't mix. And so it wasn't working very well. Now I'm not saying that our intensity level is not going to drop, but I think that that Von Miller trade had more of an impact on the team than we initially thought it would. Uh, I, that might be part of it. Um, I, I do think though that you have to, you have to start questioning if the players are listening more to Von Miller than the head coach, then I think you have a problem. That said, and, and I'm not even trying to use an underhead jab or anything at Fangio whatsoever. If I you saw have. the way, it, no, if you saw the way that the players were high-fiving and, you know, rah-rahing with Fangio on the sideline all game long, what was readily apparent to, to me as a fan watching from the outside 
it was the players want to play for Vic Fangio. And that is in direct kind of almost contrast to what we've heard as a general narrative. Do you honestly think that you're going to have someone coming up to Javante and saying you're about to bust a run and then Fangio running up to him after the fact saying I knew you'd do it or some variation thereof? You don't get that kind of stuff from a head coach and from a player if there isn't a mutual respect. And that was not the narrative we've been told for, what, three, four weeks now. Well, when was the last time you saw Fangio have that kind of energy at any point in time? Never. Like, have you ever seen him be like, yeah, <laughs> never seen that on the sidelines ever. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but he didn't say, yeah, oh, I know, but I wanted to keep it family. friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Not only for here, but I got six kids running around. And if I scream it, I'm going to be in big trouble, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, I, it's weird. Cause like this, this is the Broncos team that we were expecting to see in the off season. Like when you look at the roster, you look at it on paper, you're like, okay, this team is built for, and especially with the, the, uh, the pickup or the trade of Teddy Bridgewater, you're like, okay, our team's identity is the defense holds teams to three and outs, short drives, low points. And then the offense goes in there, drives the ball, keeps the clock going and keeps the defense off the field. That's exactly what we saw yesterday. Or Sunday. Right. Right. When we, so, what we also saw to Sunday was um, the same ball control that we saw with the style of offense uh, during the preseason. And I, I think that was also something that has been, we'll say underreported. I know I've been harping on it quite a bit on Broncos Talk. But we saw that more ball control style. Um, I've been pounding the table for the flanking tight ends on either side of the tackles, that kind of stuff. We saw a lot more of that this game. I can go, we'll go into that a little bit later in the show, but we saw a lot of that this game. And hey, we held the, what, what I think they were number one in, in like, what was it, 10 different categories or something like that coming into today's game? Were they not the Cowboys? On offense, I, th- I thought they were. Re- I thought they were the number one offense in the league, and I thought Fangio in his in his post. Oh yeah, first. they're uh, number. I want to say they were number four in scoring, and then number one in uh, yards. In the right, league. but he he Yard went off game. on he went off in the post game presser about the fact that they were within the top either number one or within the top four or five or even three in almost yeah. every single statistical category on the offensive side of the ball, and so. Yep. Uh, you know, what we saw in today's game was, to your point, I couldn't agree more. We saw ball control, running the ball, and that kind of gritty style, uh, Bronco style football that we are used to seeing, you know, from, you know, we'll call it back in the day now. But that's what we we're wanting to see as Broncos fans, and that's how you win games. Yeah, they definitely established a run game. Um, and it, like, I've never been a fan of, like, the, the two headed beast because in, in the past, you know, you use the one running back to get into a rhythm. And then once that running back gets into rhythm, that's when they, kind of like Adrian Peterson, right, you get him right. in a rhythm and they right. just start hammering people. So I've never been a fan of the, the two-headed monster, but I will say Gordon and Pookie are working very well together. Um, you know, you got one that's power and then one that's, that's I don't, like they're both power, but like Pookie breaks more tackles than Gordon does, but I think Gordon catches better. But it's Gordon like they, were, they both were averaging like six yards a carry. Right. But what Gordon has is, um, in some respects, slightly better patience when it comes to holes opening. And he also has slightly better vision 
which frankly, let's be let's be honest, he's been in the league longer, so you very much expect that from a, a running back like Gordon. But then but to your, isn't, to your isn't point, that, isn't that kind of the point of Pookie though? Like he has no patience, so he'll run in there, say "get off me," and then keep running. Right. Gordon doesn't do that. No, 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 no. Gordon is saying, I don't really want to get hit right away. Whereas you have Pookie going up the field saying, where's the linebacker? I want to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> I so, want to head hunt. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think Shannon Sharp even made a comment about that on Undisputed uh, either yesterday or the day before, just about um, uh, Pookie of saying he is a seek contact, make contact style running back. And now, as a Broncos fan, I love that because it's awesome and it's really fun to watch. However, I do have some modest concerns about longevity when you have that style of play. You know, it's great seeing it from time to time. It's great to know he can do it. But at the same time, you you would like to have him start adapting a little bit more of the Melvin Gordon patience when it comes to holes opening, letting blocks develop and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, and I'm hearing a lot of, of talk of, um, you know, we need to extend Melvin Gordon. Because you've got you've got the two headed monster that's yeah. looked pretty good over the last two games. Why? I mean, while we want to have Pookie be that starting running back, you have a running back that is like because so Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon did not work well together, and that's one of the reasons why Lindsay isn't here anymore. So if you have Melvin Gordon and you have um, Javante Williams who's working very well together, why not try to extend Melvin Gordon? Like I know that we'd been talking about trying to trade him and get what we can for him but why not extend him and keep those two together yeah i think it's a great option the, the one thing i would like to personally see just from a cost control perspective because i think that we're i mean i realize we have quite a bit of cap coming up the following year like next year and uh i also understand that uh you know broncos you know, country has a bit of recency bias when it comes to a lot of these things. I mean, just three, four weeks ago, people were saying, let's trade Melvin Gordon off the team for draft picks. So I I always I always chuckle a little bit when I hear people that are saying, get him gone, get him gone. And then they see him have a good game saying, resign him, resign him. <laughs> it's just completely backwards. But um, what I would like to see is Crockett. Uh, and I don't know if you remember him from, from the preseason. He had some really good games in the preseason, especially remember when everyone was hurt. And... I think he has a similar style to Gordon, maybe not identical. Uh, certainly ran with some power and some aggression behind him. He's certainly a bigger back, much like Gordon. And if you're looking at cost control and a bit of a spend resources on, say, someone like Tim Patrick, for example, where you can maybe shift some of that cap over to him, which, I mean, I, I may be the biggest Tim Patrick fan uh, here. He is, I, I really, really like him as a receiver. I do not want him to go anywhere else. And I, I could maybe see Crockett filling that role, but I think we need to see him dusted in and mixed into the mix a little bit more uh, in place of Gordon from time to time because we need to see what we have. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Simmers says, worst decision ever. Do not resign Gordon. There are a ton of options of free agents next year, younger options. Uh, and then he put Marlon uh, James Conner, Gus Edwards, Ronald Jones, Marlon Mack. I don't. Gus Edwards, I highly doubt, leaves the Ravens. Um, James Conner's not really a, a starting running back, though. I mean, even now, he's being used as more of a gadget back. Um, Ronald Jones, I don't think he goes anywhere either from the Bucs. Uh, Marlon Mack, maybe, but why wouldn't they push for him now if it was a, 
you know, a desperate need for, for a running back. I mean, I don't I don't think Marlon Mack's going to be as expensive as Gordon, but I don't think Marlon Mack is as good as Gordon either. No. No, and we've seen Shermer leverage more and more these past two games the types of things that everyone was claiming he was going to do with our running backs, which is the short passes as well as the runs. It wasn't as often as maybe I think we were all thinking of. I think we were thinking more like Peyton Manning-style offense where they are going to throw to those running backs a lot more as outlet-type throws. Yeah. We were seeing designed running back throws more in these past two games where they were the first, like they were they were target one. They were read one to get that ball out quick, which isn't a bad idea either. But uh, either way, I, I think that I think that Gordon is just, he's got way better hands. And I think he, he has that nice blend. I mean, did you, do we all not see that catch where he basically caught it, flipped backwards, landed on his shoulders and still held onto the ball? Yeah. I mean, that is a running back. That's not a wide receiver. That's a running back. And you don't get that very often. Well, and kind of like what Shadow Jagger's saying, what's going on with Boone? I had initially thought that it would end up being the Pookie and Boone show. Ooh, that's a good show. <laughs> that's a good show. <laughs> that's a good title. Uh, the Pookie and Boone show, I, I figured it was going to be Javante Williams and Mike Boone would be end up being the running backs. Um, so I, I'm not saying that they, they won't be. Um, but at the same time, where's Boone? Like, out of all of the additions that George Payton has made. Boone is the only one where you can go, what happened? Because I we haven't even seen him. I think that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, the weird, do you not also find it weird that no one in the media in any of these pressers is asking, where's Mike Boone? Yeah, I don't, I, I he's not on the injury reports. He's not on practice squad. So I don't, I don't know if it's just they like, Shermer doesn't know what to do with him or I, I don't know. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not, but, but I mean, at the same time you look at it and you're like with the way that Gordon and Williams have been playing, how do you take either one of them off? Right. You know, I was like, how do you not have one of them in there and put Boone in there? So I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but speaking of Peyton additions, holy crap. Like Cooper Stearns, Weatherly, Javante Williams, Kenny Young, um, who am I missing? Baron Browning. Um, uh, is there anybody, I think I think I got everybody, didn't I? Yeah, I think I got everybody. Um, I I would, and and this may be a hot take. It might not. I don't know, but I would say that the additions of Weatherly and Young have probably been the best trade in the NFL. Since, like, because, I mean, you go from a four-game losing streak and then you get Young and Weatherly in because we're having issues with the linebackers, and then you can't tell me that those two haven't played lights out since they've gotten here. And now we're on a two-game win streak. We just beat the Dallas Cowboys. We're going into the Eagles game. Like, Peyton has been outstanding in getting personnel in here. Uh, Peyton is... is generally responsible for the churning on the back end of the roster. That's a, that's a, that's a George Payton move. And uh, I, I think with the, I think with the news that's come out of Dove Valley with the reporting structure that we've heard with the kind of Ellis and Elway with Peyton and Fangio kind of in that mix, it's, it's, I mean, that's just super weird to me, but, um, and I don't think it makes for a great team dynamic, but I think what you are starting to see now is Peyton is basically being given the free reign on those lower 
kind of smaller moves that we've seen that are really, really high value. And I have to say, if that's the way Peyton intends to build a team, I'm in. Uh, because Kenny Young, Kenny Young, in my opinion, is probably the best fit for a guy like Baron Browning. Because Kenny Young has, is much faster uh, of a linebacker, so when he explains certain things, Browning is actually able to do them. Whereas someone like Al- AJ or Alexander Johnson plays the game differently and is probably not the best mentor for someone like a Baron Browning who would have been beside him in that case. And Josie Jewell has to rely almost exclusively on, not exclusively, but heavily on his mental uh, capability in terms of uh, digesting and um, reading the offense because he has to pre-plan what he's going to do and how he's going to do it because he's just not the fastest guy in the field. So when you get Young and Browning together, they're both not lightning fast like we see some of the other linebackers and some of the other teams, but they're both quick enough that they really play nicely off each other. And Kenny Young has just played so much football that you saw him even game over game when he's gotten into the Fangio system that this is his deal. Like, this is his style and this is what he needs to play. <laughs> Boggins wants to know when when you're going to buy Justin Simmons' jersey. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, uh, Tommy, with the the Gordon question, what would be the contract length Gordon could command? Three years at thirty years old. Probably, it probably would be a three year contract, but there would be outs in probably the second or third year. That that would be my assumption. Um, I don't know if he'd fetch much more than the eight mil a year he he was getting, but it would probably be a three year, maybe a two year. But the team would have outs in it for injury or starting time or something like that i'm not sure he can get the eight uh to be quite honest i don't know if he can get eight on the open market uh given the fact that he's about to approach that 30-year mark which most gms kind of use as the uh you're about to hit the cliff as they say um a lot of a lot of guys bodies are just not able to sustain uh the running back position just because it is such high collision high contact so I I think we might get PS2. I think we might yeah well PS2 there is some conflicting information around draft time that PS2 is actually the guy that Elway wanted and and that he actually was the one that drove the pick home and that George Payton was just kind of told to go ahead and do it so I think that all depends on on how you read those two leads <laughs> Young and Browning the law firm dispensing I justice. still like sure, I still like Pookie, I still like Pookie and Boone. I still think that's a better name. No, the why not Young show. and Browning dispensing justice? I like that as a, as a you know, secondary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't forget the offseason signings of Calvin Anderson and re-signing K-Jack. Uh, Calvin Anderson was already on the team. He was already under contract. Uh, K-Jack. Cream Jackson. Boy, I, don't, I don't know what to think about that one because at the same time, you got Caden Stearns out there balling. So I... But then how much of that is being taught by Kareem Jackson at the same time, too? So, Right. Um, I don't know. Did you hear, uh, again, Fangio's comments and stuff and some of the postgame stuff about Stearns? He must be listening to Glenn because he's getting sassy. Oh, he... <laughs> <laughs> he's getting sassy. He's... Uh... You don't often get sound bites like that from head coaches at the mic. And... Uh... Yeah. He, he's becoming NFL social media gold uh, in his post-game pressers right now. First off, number one thing I want to say, 
the very, very first thing that he said at the mic after that first question from the reporter about, isn't that what Jimmy Johnson used to say? It was so yeah. subtle. It was so subtle. But, <laughs> but I was on the other. I was on the other end of my computer. And my kids looked at me funny because I was like, "Ooh, that's a jab." And 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 the reporters, none of them made a comment about it. And I was like, "How do you miss that? That was beautiful." <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. K. Jack has been the best safety on the field this year for us. Yeah, I'll he push has. back on that one. I'll push back on that he one has. a little bit. Well, but you got you got to remember, like we kept we kept seeing that that it looked like Simmons blah, Simmons was getting pulled out of where he was supposed to be and getting burned in coverage when he was actually filling in for either uh, Fuller getting burned or K Jack going the wrong way or whatever miscommunication was going on over that four game losing streak. Um, so I, w- I would say that Simmons would probably be the best one, but K Jack would be right behind him. Uh, what we saw from Simmons is that he was letting receiver receivers lead him by too much and not reading the play quick enough to, uh, to make up that type of speed for leaving that kind of cushion in front of the player he was covering. The other thing we saw Simmons use for, which I'd like to know if that was, it was clearly designed, but it's really weird, which was Simmons was getting rushed up into the box on what they thought were going to be running plays. And then they were throwing, um, who was it, uh, Stranad back into coverage in place of Stearns uh, in, instead of, Sim- like they reversed Stranad and Simmons in terms of what they would play, which I thought was absolutely bizarre. And then that's actually, it's actually those same plays where, where they showed run, but then went past in some of our opponents, um, where Simmons rushed up to cover the, the halfback or the running back there. And then they threw to where Stranad was, and they basically burned Stranad just because he's not he's not as quick, right? So I thought it was really strange that we were using Simmons in that way. Not all of that is Simmons' fault, right? That's scheme. So if he's being used in a certain scheme and he's playing that role properly, you cannot fault the guy for doing his job, right? The same at the same time, though, he was giving too much cushion and he doesn't have the requisite speed in order to make up that distance. Yeah, and I think on in, in the same token, on the other side, K. Jack was getting a lot of the same. Um, was just the scheme or whatever was going on with coverages was just weird and wasn't right. Um, I will say this though, if if I want one guy to blitz and lay the smacketh down on a player, it would be K Jack. <laughs> like he is the hardest hitting safety I've seen since like John Lynch and Brian Dawkins. Like those guys hit hard since so then ward. i'm not saying ever i'm saying since T- them no tj ward went in that in that little 2015 stretch of defense there he had yeah, some he hits where he got he got fined because he hit some guys so hard yeah uh so let's go uh travis harbach says it sucks that graham is out but the gut absolutely should be a starter he's a beast now i did have a question about the offensive line because we do know that Bowles should be back this next game. We also know that Graham Glasgow and Bobby Massey are going to be out the next game. Graham Glasgow is out for the rest of the season. So, do we have Miners or do we have Muti? Because Muti will be back. So, I, I want to go back a little bit. I, I may have been the only one, I don't know. But I actually thought Anderson looked there i he say was fantastic than, he was better than bowls almost in my opinion calm down calm down in, no calm down. look calm down 
you know, you need to you need to remember he was going up against a pass rusher who was with is within the top echelon or top tier of the league this so far. We're, we're again we're we're like what eight eight nine Ooh. games. Calvin? No, no, no. The Randy Gregory from the from the Cowboys. It, by and large, Gregory was almost almost always on the left tackle side, going against uh, not all the time, but almost all the time, going against Anderson, and Anderson held up beautifully. Right, but at the same time, you've got Bowles going up against Chase Young, who didn't do anything. And you've got Bowles going up against T.J. Ward, and T.J. Ward was basically held to nothing, too. So that's why, I like, I'm not saying Calvin Anderson's bad. I'm just saying I don't think that replacing Bowles is the way to go because Bowles isn't a swing tackle. Bowles oh, is strictly, no, 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 Bowles no, is strictly left. left. So yeah, yeah. If, if you're going to have, if you got Massey out, and his wife confirmed on Twitter that he'll – He'll be back after the bye. So Massey will be back. But do you stick with Massey after the bye, or do you throw in Fleming, who held up really well? Fleming was good. In, or in, in, do you throw one. Anderson over on the right tackle? Um, Anderson is typically – see, this is this is my problem with Anderson. is He is a natural left tackle, and he showed that again this game. So my issue with Anderson is that – while he can play swing, he's capable of playing swing, and you want to keep him on your team because he has that flexibility of swinging. Cam Fleming was clearly a better a better natural right tackle in certain aspects of that game. And in other aspects, Cam Fleming got absolutely destroyed in, in some elements, and that's why you saw more of those tight ends kind of helping out on, on the right side as well. So I think that's a tough one. Um, to me, I think you'd probably go back to Massey just because uh, as long as he's healthy enough, he's actually been one of the better offensive linemen for us in terms yeah. of, uh, and that's coming from someone who thought that Massey played like garbage in the entirety of the preseason. <laughs> and I did, I thought he was awful. I thought he was, I thought he was might've been one of the worst signings that we brought in the season. And then he almost flipped a switch when it came to the regular season and he's progressed and he seems to have kind of incrementally gotten better as time has gone on on our team. So. I really like what I've seen from Massey so far. So I think you do go back to him because I think Anderson is, he's just, he's really truly better suited at that left tackle position. Um, and, and that's, I think where he should probably stick. Now, do we give him another opportunity to showcase his talents? Cause maybe he can get a really good contract maybe from another team. If we're not willing to pay him, uh, then maybe you do have someone a solid, like, like that in Anderson, who's done nothing but good things for us. Yeah. Uh, so then you go to the, the biggest one, which is, right guard because we've all been like yeah moody 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 and now then we saw miners play and you saw the running game pick up after miners got in there so yeah it's it sounds like albright is thinking it's going to be miners and i i'm not disappointed i prefer i actually preferred miners i would have been happy if he took glasgow's place even before he got hurt uh in my opinion because i thought that um despite some of Miners, he had some flubs, don't get me wrong. He's a rookie, so he's going to have some learning curve issues. But by and large, you want your offensive linemen to be bullies. You want them to push other guys around, and, and you want them to be able to make those holes for the running back. And, uh, you know, you have to look no further than uh, Javante Williams' run on the left-hand side of the field when uh, Miners, was, uh, Miners did a, a pull block or a swing block from the right guard spot and uh, pushed Williams through the two tacklers from behind and then continue to down block down the field. And that was one of his big runs. Yeah. And I, uh, I had a thought and then I forgot what it was. 
<laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, miners, miners, miners. Kind of look through the things here. Well, the uh, other thing, the other thing that I've heard from Muti is that he is unbelievably strong. But on the flip side of that, some interesting takes that I've heard, and and in some respects, maybe that's part of the reason why he sometimes uh, almost uh, is overly aggressive. Is he has shorter arms than some of the other offensive guards. So when guys try to push him or keep him away, or they can grab his chest plate and his arms aren't long enough to keep the defensive lineman away. So I think that's a bit of an interesting take and certainly holds some water where someone like Moody might be overly aggressive to try to leverage his strength on the defensive lineman. But then if he misses, then he gets really badly beat. Has Glasgow played his last down as a Bronco? Yes. I hope so. I mean, I... I don't hold anything against the guy. Like, he's a good guard. Um, but I think that if he wasn't getting paid the amount he is, he would have already gotten replaced by Miners or Moody. So, unless he comes back with a very, very cheap contract, yeah, he's. I think he's gone. Um, and then, that, I mean, then you got Massey, who was on, he was only on a, he was a one-year, wasn't he? A one-year sure. contract? Yeah, Massey. He was a one-year, yeah, one one year, right? One-year, one year. yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's go from there into the defensive line because this is where you start to get into being a little tricky. So we just signed Purcell to a, an extension last year. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I, dude, I got to tell you, Williams is holding down that nose tackle spot. Do you want to put Purcell back in there? Uh, I think you go on a pretty – aggressive rotation um, where you rotate the right guy in there and you kind of play play the game by flow in terms of what happens. At the end of the day, that's how Purcell got that job. Remember when, when Purcell was rotated in and when he was healthy, he took over because the prede- his predecessors, if you will, did not hold up properly in, one, in the run blocking. And now you're almost seeing Purcell take over that role of not holding up and run blocking and you're, <laughs> yeah. seeing, and you're seeing other guys step in and his place and doing a better job the other thing that we saw a little bit of last game uh against the cowboys was draymond jones getting pulled in place of a larger d lineman on his side of the ball as well uh and i think there is some benefit in doing that and we actually saw that uh we've seen that in previous years on the broncos as well where if we're truly wanting to commit to stopping the run and and making another team look silly, I think that's not a half bad approach either, is rotating bigger guys in where we typically have a smaller rushing style guy in, and then you can really start clogging up those lanes, clogging up those holes, and and actually you can also push the quarterback off their spot because those bigger guys are more likely to push the guards back into the quarterback. Who was that that really big defensive dude on the Broncos? Like Stefan? Aaron Patrick, is that the guy? Oh, Aaron Patrick is 94. Like, who's a really the, big I, dude. He's he is like the he, he's like basically taking DeMarcus Ware and just kind of adding a few pounds and some height. Dude, he's massive. He's, he's like a, a wall. <laughs> that that guy's big. <laughs> uh Travis says, what's wrong with the gene? Is he's on IR, isn't he? I thought uh, he went yeah. to IR. I have to check, but he might be. I think you're right. Okay. Uh, so let's move it back to the linebackers. Um, 
Baron Browning and Kenny Young as, as inside linebackers. Resign and extend Kenny Young right now. Yeah, don't even, I, 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 cool. And, Two games and this in, is I'm the same thing. And this is what I told Glenn. Like, I don't care right now about Johnson and, and Honey Bear. Like, I know I love Honey Bear, but I, I don't care. Like, Young and Browning are working. They're a perfect fit. Let them work together and keep it going. I just, I just look at the tackling and the ability to basically finally fill the middle of the field. Yeah. I, I mean, how long has that been? It's got to be since, what, 20, 2015? As, as, soon, as soon as we disbanded the initial, well, we let um, uh, Trevathan walk to the Bears at the end of the 2015 season. It's got to be well, since 2015. But, well, but Todd Davis was good at that until he got into his last two years. So no, you're looking still, at no, but he he still had coverage issues, right? Todd Davis was a thumper. He was like the equivalent of like an uh, Alexander Johnson, right? Who was, was really, who was the guy next to Todd Davis? Well, we had Brandon Marshall that we retained from the 2015 yeah. uh, defense, and then and then after that, and then really at the after the 2016 season, even by the back end of the 2016 season, uh, Brandon Marshall was a shell of himself in terms of. Uh, the coverage ability that he used to have on the 2015 defense. And it kind of, in some respects, it kind of showed the real value of a Denny Trevathan and what he brought to our team. Trevathan, he did have some injury issues, so I'm going to completely grant everyone who's going to come back at me with that. (laughs) But but, um, it it is undeniable the skill set that Trevathan brought to the table and what he was able to do for our defense when he was on the field. And I think we're starting to see a bit of that reincarnation here on our middle linebackers we have right now. Young is awesome. He is um he is excellent. Uh Tommy says, What about Malik Reed? Do we keep him around with the way Jonathan Cooper is playing? And this is the same question that I had uh when I've been chatting with everybody is okay, so right now you have to think that Chubb is one of them. Chubb has to be one of your guys that's one of your starting outside linebackers is Chubb. The other one has to be Cooper. Is he? I mean, no, with, I mean, with Cubs injury, is is he really going to be one of your long term guys? Like that's that's a big question, right? Like I well, think that's I a think, question too. I think until you until you figure out if he is that guy that can hold up and play an entire season, you have to stick with Chubb until at the point yeah. where you're like, okay, you're you've been hurt too much, we're just done. But so if you're looking at it from right now, you're looking at Chubb and Cooper. And then Weatherly stays. I don't care what anybody says. Weatherly's Weatherly awesome. stays. Weatherly's awesome. And so if you have to, I think Reed, like I don't have a problem with Reed, but I don't think compared to Cooper and compared to Chubb that Reed starts over either one. I think that Reed is going to end up taking the Shaq Barrett type route. Like yeah. he's going to be a backup and eventually he'll leave and then go start somewhere else. So Weatherly, I have a nickname for him after I saw him last game. He's the angry aviator because he wears those goggles. He wears those goggles. Ooh, that's a good one. I was oh, trying that, to think of a nickname for oh, him. Angry aviator is the one that I've come up with him. So I think we should all adopt that. I think he's awesome. Um, Reed is a real challenge for me. Actually, Reed isn't necessarily a challenge for me. The, the real challenge for me is looking at Chubb and the fact that how how often he's been hurt, how yeah. little he's played. And then looking at Reed and saying, look, Reed this one game, but generally speaking, he's been relatively healthy for us. So if you're going to be looking at rotation in terms of that outside linebacker spot, is Reed perhaps not a reasonable option for us if we can retain him at a 
reasonable dollar value and you know not pay that massive mega contract but not not try to like really really lowball them either so if you can if you can get that kind of sweet spot kind of deal where you can get Weatherly and Reed and then Cooper is going to come up because he's a seventh round pick, right? So he's only got like, what, two more years, I think, of cost control. I think it's two more years, right? He's three, three, no, he's three a, years. He's the free agent after this year, I think. No, he's, he's, a, he's a seventh round pick this year. He's he's a rookie. Oh, Cooper. are you talking Cooper or are you talking Reed? No, I'm talking Cooper. Yeah, yeah. He should have been a second or third, if not for the hard thing. Yeah, but I mean, so, I mean, he's he's a seventh round pick, but not necessarily, you know, as a result yeah. of his actual skill set, right? But Reed, Reed, as far as I'm concerned, is, is one of those real challenging guys because he could probably be a... A, a Robin on another team to like a, a a Batman, like a Vaughn on the other side. But I do not believe that he could elevate himself. Watch him go to the Rams. Watch, watch him play the opposite side <laughs> of Von Miller on the Rams. Watch it happen. Well, but that, but that's that's what I'm saying is that he could be a Robin to an, a Batman, but he yeah. needs the Batman because he is not good enough to beat his blocks. Like that's the one thing with Reed that I have an issue with is every time he comes in, he can win the change of pace role where he comes in to fill in for somebody else and then he wins. But he, when he is out there as a starter, it seems that the tackle that he's going against figures him out. Yeah. And that's my Tommy problem. Says, Tommy says Chicago with Mac, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be bad. Um, and even even uh, Tampa Bay with Barrett wouldn't be bad either. No, uh, no, I agree. So there is one more thing I want to talk about before we go into the to the, the Mile High Mountain, and that's that that recovered punt. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Uh, no. Okay. Nope. So for the for the people that don't know what I'm talking about or didn't understand it, what the refs were saying is that if after the initial block, when the ball goes past the line of scrimmage, if it is touched again, it is then a live ball. I think it's touched again by the punting team or the kicking team. No, because the because we were punting it and the Cowboys touched it and we recovered. So if it's oh. touched by the receiving team, oh, yes, after right. it goes yes, past yes, the yes, line yes, of scrimmage, yeah, 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 yes, then yes. it's live ball. Anybody can yes. get it. So yes. yes, we didn't recover the ball and get enough yardage to make a first down. It doesn't matter because if it's basically a new possession once you recover that ball so automatically goes first down i'd never heard of that before never seen it before so i was so confused as to what was going on but i was super happy said, the, even the announcer said that's in like the back left corner of the playbook of the, of the rule book <laughs> yeah. they're, they're like you know those rules that have existed forever but you've never seen them but they are in the rule book that's one of those and actually, do you know what the interesting thing is? It's always those types of rules. Like, remember Belichick exploited that one with, like, the eligible receivers and stuff? Yeah, and didn't Harbaugh and then, do and that they, with the... And then Harbaugh... Didn't Harbaugh, Harbaugh do that to, like, run the clock? <laughs> right, yeah. and then Harbaugh, Harbaugh did that with the running the clock thing. And those rules, the ones that are exploited like that by the really brilliant head coaches, in this case, I have to say, clearly Tom McMahon has taught them something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, Tom McMahon. Yeah. Look, look, I know, I know this is an, un, I know it's an unpopular comment to make, but clearly he's taught them something because who does that? Like I've never seen yeah. that. Um, so when you look at those rules, those are always the types of rules that, when they're exploited or at least showcased, 
uh, they almost always seem to get brought up in the off season to say, do we actually want to keep it that way now that we've seen it actually happen? <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, we all, we wrote it down on paper. It sounded awesome when we all said it aloud, but now that we've seen it on field, like, you know, in picture it looks format. absolutely stupid. That's, yeah. <laughs> did we, did we like the way that looked? Yeah. All right. So let's move into where are we going? Uh, well, we're about to go into a, a, a wonderful segment uh, that is climbing uphill called the Mile High Mountain. <laughs> You're and just to answer Bree's question, yes, everybody in Denver yodels. That's why I put that in there, especially Bree. She yodels all the time. Bree, I, I saw you just take that down from your Twitter feed. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. just stop it. <laughs> All right, Rich, who do, you, who do you got on the mountain? Who do you got climbing the mountain? Who do you got at the summit? And who do you got staying on the plane? Uh, so my I got that right, right? My, my, summer is, my summit is Jonathan Cooper. I mean, uh, if but nothing else, that had to be one heck of an epic performance from a guy that is starting to clearly come into his own at the outside linebacker position for our Denver Broncos. Uh, we should all be super pleased that he is starting to step up his game and showcase his talent. That's the second game in a row that he's actually shown that progression forward. And he really, really hit it at the park that last game. And he did it against a team that is known and does, in fact, have a good offensive line, despite the fact that they had that one injury there at left tackle that uh, hindered their ability. On the climb, I had Calvin Anderson. I have always liked Calvin Anderson. I, I guess Fangio and I share some kind of, you know, brotherhood for the for Calvin Anderson <laughs> in the bank club. Uh, you know, in the uh, post game presser, it's clear that he and I have uh, similar feelings towards Calvin Anderson. I think Ooh, he is an excellent Mile High Mario too. He loves Calvin Anderson. Well, Calvin Anderson's amazing. I I love him and. And I truly think that he is a a legitimate left tackle at the NFL level. And I thought that he, again, for he did this for us in 2020 when Bowles got hurt. And he's done it again for us now in 2021, where he has stepped in and and absolutely knocked it out the park as far as I'm concerned. So he is my on the climb. Uh, However, it seems that he does do better at left tackle than right tackle. And that's my only caveat there. And at the base camp was Brandon McManus. I was quite disappointed in what is generally basically a uh, an absolute steady kicker uh, for us, uh, missing both uh, that field goal and extra point. Uh, bo- both are, are generally actually uncharacteristic of him uh, just in terms of how he's played both this year. Although this is now the second game in a row where he's had some challenges. Now, no one's perfect. I get it. I just really hope that he's able to kind of overcome this and kind of get out of his own head because a lot of this stuff is mental with kickers. Uh, so I really hope that he can uh, uh, put all that behind him and uh, start playing better, especially back in uh, in power field there for us in our home game coming up against the Eagles. And on the plate right home, uh, I've been fairly disappointed with uh, this offensive uh, lineman uh, this season, uh, and that's uh, Dalton Reisner. I felt that he has been a real challenge for us at the left-hand side of the line. And we saw Miners initially come in to fill in for him there. And then once uh, Glasgow went out, Miners was shifted over. And uh, I really think that when you've seen Miners fill in for Reisner, you've seen a marked improvement on the left-hand side of the line. So Dalton Reiser is uh, my plane ride home. Now, there is one one thing I do want to say about Reisner. He has been rough this year, but... When they started to make him pull, he looked fantastic. So that was my caveat. I actually brought that up 
when I was on On the Warpath. For those of you who don't remember, On the Warpath was our uh, Washington football team Hot Five uh, guest. He had me actually on the pod during the Broncos game because they were rooting for the Broncos and they wanted me to join them. So I I hope you uh, check that out. I made the exact same comment. Dalton Reisner is best fit for that West Coast or that pulling guard style or the movement on the offensive line, which is what we were running when we had Rick Scangarello here as our offensive coordinator, which is why Reisner looks so good. Let's just say Shermer does not run that type of scheme, and therefore we're starting to see Reisner not look as good, and he just doesn't fit this style of offense. So it's not necessarily me saying I don't like Reisner. It's saying I don't think Reisner is a good fit for us in what we're running right now. Yeah. Okay, so mine's going to be a little different. Um, Because, I mean, there there are so many players that you could say this person is at the top of the mountain. I mean, you could go Williams. You could go Cooper. You could go... um, Browning, you could go Teddy, you could there's so many people. I'm gonna go with Steven Weatherly. And this is why. When you're watching the game back and you see anytime a running back gets on the outside or running back goes off tackle or Dak Prescott breaks out and goes outside, who is he met by? Weatherly. That's what we've been missing in our run defense, is a guy that can I like get it. in the way of the runner and like make him it. kick it back in to the other defenders. That's what, like anytime we were getting like against the Browns when we just got torched because the, there was nobody. It was either somebody outside or somebody inside. And there was a gaping hole in the middle. Weatherly is that guy that's always there in the hole to make the guy go either inside or outside to another defender. And that's why I'm saying Weatherly. I love it. I love it. Uh, and then my rising would be minors minors i yeah on the climb is minors i love minors i always probably just because of that the draft video of him knocking trees (laughs) down ever since then it's been it's been all minors but i will say um if even without him pulling he still played really well but when you have when you had reisner and minors both pulling woo it was a thing of beauty I loved it. Like, if we can continue to have Reisner and Miners pull, we can run over anybody we want. It doesn't matter. So, Miners is on the rise. Uh, at base camp, I put Boone. Just because of the amount of rushing that we had going on this last game, we didn't even see the guy. Like, nothing. There was so much promise for that guy coming into the Broncos, and we haven't seen any of it. We also had hype. Remember, like out of yeah. out of the out of all the camps, we had hype where everyone was saying, "Oh my gosh, this Mike Boog guy is going to go yeah. crazy." That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen yeah. Uh, and then the person that should have stayed on the plane, McMahon. Like you're back on the list, sir. McMahon, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like first play of the game, a 50 yard return. Come on, man. Like really, really. No, McMahon's on the plane. He should never have gotten off. Just stayed home. Like, don't even give, like, if he's going to be on the plane, don't even give him a ticket. Just have him sit in baggage claim. <laughs> he doesn't even get a ticket. So those are mine. I'd say, I mean, I, I, I toyed with the idea of putting McManus on the plate right home, but I felt that he he did kick a couple field goals there for us or, or kind of make kicks there for us, and he had a few better um 
where he was kicking it out the back of the end zone to ensure that they didn't return it. Yeah. So, and I also don't necessarily blame that return on McManus. I blame that return on the punt coverage unit or the or the coverage unit rather, yeah. um, for not tackling and not playing properly. Now that has to do with a lot with the fact that um, special teams is is largely played by the backups, like third and fourth and fifth string guys. And uh, right now, a lot of the third and fourth string guys are our starters, um, which I can't believe I had to say that out loud, but I do. And it's true. So as a result of that, a lot of our special teams players are guys who we have signed off our practice squad. We have signed off of the street. And so our special teams depth just is not there. So we just don't have that rich depth at that special teams unit uh, that we may have had earlier. Now, sadly, our special teams has actually improved despite the fact that we have signed basically street free agents uh, oh. overall. Um, so I, I don't, I realize that comment might come off as weird, but yeah. um, it, I, that's true. And, and when you see what we were playing with uh, this past game against the Cowboys, even the national media guys that were announcing the game and even after the game were saying, how did you lose to the Broncos? They literally have almost none of their starters playing at most positions. And and that was the big question, right? So Avatar says summit is Tim Patrick. I can go with that. that I, was, yeah, that, I can go with that too. That touchdown sure. catch was incredible. Uh honorable mention, Jonathan Cooper, base camp, McManus, and on the flight home, special teams coach, Mr. McMahon. You can stay home in baggage claim, sir. Oh. I, I no, I could totally see that. I could totally see that. Sure. Uh, let's see. Jay Bryan, Bronco Mania is alive and well, boys. All that orange in the stadium made me proud. And who was who was the Cowboys player that was talking about how much it sucked that there was so D. much Lyman. orange? I think it was a D lineman or a corner uh, that that came out and said it from the Cowboys. Oh, it was uh um uh was it Diggs? Trayvon Diggs? Yeah, is that yeah who it was? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, it might have been Diggs. Uh, they came out and said that it was terrible that there was so much orange in Dallas. Like, no, well, no, no, no. He made a comment there's so much orange, but then he actually doubled down on that same comment and said it was so disheartening when all you heard coming out of the third, out of the third quarter was "Go Broncos." From, <laughs> yeah, from the home crowd, all you heard as a Cowboys player was "Go Broncos," and he said that was very deflating, which. It's, it's funny because that's when we allowed them to score touchdowns and points, right? It was right in that back end of the game. But, I mean, at that point there, we were just basically saying, let's try to not get hurt. Right. Uh, Shadow Jacker, can we acknowledge the sheer disrespect for the Cowboys had for us on fourth down? You know what? If they want to keep trying fourth down and failing, good on you, sir. Go ahead and keep trying. That's fine. Give us all the momentum. We'll take it. Yeah, but I, I do want to push back on that a little bit. They were in our side of the – they were on our side of the field, or at least close to it. And it would have been a very, very short um, uh, kick uh, to get it out. Get it out. And, and on top of that, tr- like, generally speaking, the Broncos have not done really, really well at those types of short yardage stops this year. Yeah. So I, I have to imagine that despite the fact that we stopped them on every fourth down, go Broncos, uh, we, we had not been that good uh, this season. And I think that also goes to show how some of the stats and some of the um, analysis there doesn't fully tell the whole truth. Um, one of the things that I was digging into was the size, the overall size of the lines of the Cowboys 
The Cowboys, particularly on the defensive line, are quite small compared to some of the other teams we played thus far. So we were really able to push them around a little bit more than the other teams we were able to that, that we weren't able to. And our our uh, off our on the defensive line on our side of the ball, we had some pretty big dudes that were on the field to help stop that. And I think that went a long way to stopping those fourth downs. We were able to really just completely clog all the lanes and all the holes. Yeah, and that that first fourth down south was impressive. Like Zeke is not a small guy. He's got lots of power to him. And Justin Simmons just mollywopped him. That was a hit and a half. I was that was actually probably one of Justin Simmons' most impressive tackles that I've seen. And that was, that was and, and, and and it wasn't just because he tackled him and kind of held on. If you look at the way he leveraged his body, is he actually leveraged himself so that Zeke had to try and push over like a good three quarters of his height as part of that leverage on the push. And I mean, I, I, I realize that not everyone's watching the game like that, where I'm saying, look at the angle that he's <laughs> that he's tackling him at. But that, if you actually rewatch that play, Simmons intentionally readjusted his body and put himself in a position to not allow himself to be pushed over. And, you know, as much as I have been critical of Simmons in the past, you have to give absolute credit where credit's due on a play like that. Yeah. So based on that, let's switch into taking a look at the Eagles. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have a wonderful super fan for you today to give us the hot five that the Eagles need to do to beat our Denver Broncos. What's up, everybody? It's the Philly Sports Guy, and I'm here to give you my hot five on what the Eagles got to do this week to beat the Denver Broncos. First off, we need a great game from Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been getting better week to week. He seems to be doing, he seems to be going through his progressions much better, and I expect that he's going to have another great week coming up forward. That's going to be our number one. He's got to have a fantastic week. Number two, we have to stop the run uh, against Denver. Denver has got a fantastic uh, running back there, uh, Melvin Gordon. That's right, Melvin Gordon. Uh, we got to make sure to hold him down. I think that we can get to Teddy Bridgewater, and I don't think that he's as great a quarterback as some of the previous quarterbacks that Denver has had in, in their history. So uh, my expectation is if we stop the run from Denver, we'll be able to do great things. Conversely, my third spot is that we have to do well against the run. We have to do well running the football. Uh, the Eagles are not very known to be running the football, but for the last couple of weeks, we have been doing so. So, And I know that Denver has got a fantastic defense. I believe they're ninth against the rush right now, and they did a great job on holding back uh, the running backs from Dallas. However, we got to get 100 yards of rushing plus, and that's going to include all of our running backs, specifically Howard and Gainwell and Boston Scott all have to do pretty well against them. Our fourth take is that we have to put pressure on Bridgewater. We got to get him moving his feet and make him feel uncomfortable in the pocket. 
Uh, the Eagles have a great front four, but I think that we need to do a couple of extra blitzes to be able to make sure that we can get there and get to the quarterback, at least get him moving and shaking so that he doesn't get real steady. I know that our quarterbacks that have been going up against us have been doing 80% passing. We need to make sure that that doesn't happen this week or else Teddy Bridgewater is good enough where he's going to be able to pick us apart. And the fifth, the fifth thing on how the Eagles are going to beat Denver is we have to finish our drives. We cannot kick field goals. Once we get into the red zone, we got to put, as they say in Canada, put the puck in the net. We got to get touchdowns. We cannot have field goals here. We got to make sure that when we score, we're scoring seven points and not three points. That's my Philly sports guy top five ways that we're going to beat Denver. And I would expect them all to happen because you know when we come to town, we travel strong. There's going to be a whole bunch of us. I'm bringing 100 people myself to come to Denver. And we're going to be taking over that stadium. It's going to be our house by the time we're done. Go Birds! Yeah! I mean... He's bringing 100 of his buddies to the game, and they're going to take over the stadium. How many seats does he think the stadium has? <laughs> He's going to need a little bit more than 100 to take over the, the stadium. There'll, uh, there'll, be, there'll be a section just over to the far left of, of green, and then the rest will be orange and blue. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. This <laughs> is the Eagles game coming up is one of those games that we would expect to win. Uh, knock on, knock on all the wood that I can find. Um, this is one of those, and, and I'm not saying that the Eagles are on the level of like, uh, the Jets or the Jags, but this is one of those teams where the Broncos should be expected to win this game. So that's yeah. where you kind of are like, okay, well, we were also expecting to beat the Steelers and that didn't work out. So, so now it's like, okay, we've seen. How they played against Washington. Yeah, we won that game, but we didn't play very well in that game. Right. And then we played the Cowboys, and that was fantastic. So are we? do we continue to play how we did against Dallas, or are we going to see more of Washington? Well, I think that all depends on how we start the game. Um, if you looked at how the Eagles were playing in the early stage of that game there against, uh, I think it was the Chargers, they really came out and started playing really well. And then they just weren't able to hold on and, and kind of keep the chargers back. So I actually believe that what our biggest problem is going to be is do we allow the Eagles to get off to the same start they had against the chargers? And if we can get off to a similar start to what we had against the Cowboys, where our defense came to play, uh, we, we planned well, we played well, the right guys were in the right places. We continue to get the the middle linebacker play that we got for these last that this progression that we've seen at that middle linebacker position group these past two games i think we're in a good spot i really do and I, the other thing we didn't mention in the previous segment against the the uh, cowboys but i think it's incredibly relevant against the eagles here especially with uh sertan's injury or sertan's injury is fuller he actually played well and yeah, he, and he, he, he was actually, in the nickel, right? Well, he played nickel for a little bit, and then once the injuries started coming into our secondary guys, uh, he was then bounced out to the right side and then also to the left side. 
So yeah. Fuller, Fuller really showed the ability to have some versatility and he did play well. Now that's in stark contrast to the absolute just garbage play that he put on the field the previous few weeks when he played for us. But you have, again, you have to give credit where credit's due. He, he had the, the time on the bench. He had some time to think. He had some time to work on his game. And he came out and played good football. So we need more of that from him as well, especially with our other injuries. Because Fuller is a leader, whether or not we like it or not. Because guys are going to look up to him because they've seen the way he played earlier in his career. And they're going to start asking him questions. Yeah, and I was one of those guys that was way down on Fuller. Now he's done. He's not going to play well again. Get rid of him. I am happy to eat all that, bro. I will eat all of it. Like, that's fine. If he wants to come back and play right. well, more power to you, man. Like, I yeah. I, I hope so. Um, yeah. And then, so Shadow Jacker said the AFC West is up for grabs. And, I mean, it really is. Like, all we're all basically tied, except for the Chiefs. They, they suck. Um, so, if, if you look at our – yeah, if you look at um, – our schedule going forward, you got the Eagles, which I think is a winnable game, right? It's then you've winnable, got winnable, but we need to be very, very careful. We need to actually play; otherwise, we can very well lose it because the Eagles are—they're not doing particularly well, but they're only not doing well because teams are able to come back on them. We just need to make sure that we don't continue our our kind of woeful ways that we've had in the earlier part of the season. Well, and the one thing I will say is the the biggest weakness of the Eagles team is the offensive line. Because Jalen Hurts is always having to run for his life or getting hit a lot. Like, he's getting hit constantly like Teddy was in those four losses. Yes. Like, yeah. he's, he's getting hit all the time. So, if we can continue to stuff the run and rush the passer like we did against Dallas, not even close. Like, oh, Jalen's not going to have anywhere to go. No, no. Um, so if we, we, we look at the Eagles game, you count that, I'm, I'm going to count that as a win. Okay. Sure. I think it's fair. So then, then we have the buy and then we go chargers win or loss. If we can show that we can play the same way we did against Dallas against the Eagles, I'm chalking that up as a win against the chargers. So no, but my caveat is if Shermer can get out of his own way and do the same thing that he did against the Cowboys and, and to, to, to specifically define what I mean by that is I, I tallied up, I have some notes here from the first half of the game that I kind of did some detailed notes on. But one thing that I wanted to look at is how we played and what kind of personnel groupings we had in. Yeah, We had about 45% of our plays where we ran out of the two tight end or three tight end sets. In fact, that first uh, Gordon uh, run touchdown there in that game against the Cowboys was a three tight end set. So that's the 13 personnel. And then the and then we had basically 45% total where we were running out of two tight ends on the field at the same time, more often than not flanking both of our offensive tackles, which is a change for Shermer from previous games. So if we can do that like we were doing in the preseason and we play like that again in this game against the Eagles and win, then that and we continue that kind of play into the Chargers and the Chiefs, et cetera, et cetera, then I think we can beat the Chargers because I don't think they have a good answer for that style of offensive play. All right, Tommy. Thanks for Thanks, stopping. Um, Travis Tarbox says, we actually stuck with the run. What a revelation. It was impressive. Oh, but he uh, tried to move away from it. If you remember in that game in the early part of the first quarter there, he he deviated completely away from the run game, generally speaking, and attempted to go pass happy. 
and after the the loss we, we didn't win it he quickly reverted back to the 12 personnel sets and intermixing them more so Schirmer certainly did try but then I think he I, I, I kind of made a joke uh, in, in the comment sections of, of another pod saying it's almost like someone grabbed Schirmer's headset and started calling the plays for him <laughs> yeah and, and, and then yeah and, and then we started winning so uh <laughs> yeah so let's say the eagles is a win and the rest of the games are basically division games and i think that with the chargers we're going to split and i think that with with the high that we're on right now i say that this is our best shot at beating the chargers would be the game coming up in three weeks. Then we've got the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs at home are probably going to take that one. I have us beating the Chiefs both. You have, you have a sweep in the Chiefs? I do. I do. I, I They look so bad. I know. They look so, so bad. Like, like, I want to sweep them, but at the same time, like I want to be realistic and be like, why well, I don't think we're going to go 13 and like four. So. No, I mean, I, I have us losing a few other games, but th- the Chiefs just look so pathetic. So let's, okay. So then we go from Chiefs to Lions. I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, don't, so, don't, no. don't you pick the Lions. Th- this, is, this, is, this, is, this is where I have issues. The Lions have lost three games by three or fewer points. And this has a bit of an aura of what Fangio had last season, where we had a couple games like that too. Remember in the earlier part of the season, where we lost by, you know, a point here or two points there or three points there. And then we came off and started the season on like a three-game win streak and we were 3-0. and So I was a bit concerned, or I'm not concerned, but I'm, I'm being realistic. The Lions are a much better football team than their record is showing. And I mean much better than their record is showing. So, and, and I love their head coach. Like, I absolutely love their head coach. So I'll, t- I'll pick the Chiefs to lose to, and you'll pick the Lions to lose to. So it comes out even. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so then, then we play the Bengals. Well, no, I'm going to have us beating the Lions but losing to the Bengals. Okay, so either way, we'll come out because I was gonna pick. Okay, I was gonna yeah. pick the Bengals, yeah. or I was gonna, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we'll so four and one, and then Raiders. No, not anymore. No, uh, I think we beat. I think we beat the Raiders the next time we play them. Yeah. And then Chargers. Um, that one there is is the and one that where one, that one's gonna be like for playoff contention. Right, that one there, I actually have us potentially losing. Um, I'm concerned that our strength and conditioning team if you can call them that um does not have us uh to a good place we have lost too many players this season and i'm just i'm super concerned that between the lions and the bengals because of the style of play that they play that we're going to end up with another injury or something like that that's going to hinder us and i'm concerned that going into the chargers game there that we're going to have you know another key player that is injured that we don't even know at this point in terms of you know being able to project so my concern there is that i think we lose to the Chargers in that game for almost the exact opposite reasons of why i have us beating the chargers the first go round that you just stated 
uh, in the fact that I think we're going to have some injuries. Three, four, five, six. Okay, so seven. And then the last game is the Broncos and Chiefs. I have, a, I have a sweeping the Chiefs. I, I just I just think that they're – I think they're going to be in a rough spot. So you're going with 11 and 6. Yeah. For our final. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I think when we did this at the beginning of the season, we were like 12 and 5. We're like, holy crap, that's too much. Well, I, I had us actually winning – I had us winning um, – Based on what I saw at the end of preseason, I had us winning one of the gauntlet games that we ended up losing. Okay. In, in, you know, in those four games just passed, yeah. I had us winning one of those games. I thought we were going to beat the Steelers because I, I felt we should have. I, I felt That's we were going to so beat the annoying. Steelers, and I had us. I had us losing to the Ravens, but beating the Steelers, and so I actually had us with a better record. Uh, than I'm projecting at the moment. Now, injuries matter. They they really do. And uh, we have a couple really tough teams coming up, even within the division. Like even the Chargers are going to be a tough out for us. Uh, although I do think that if we come up with the same level of energy, we can beat them. Our team needs to start prescribing multivitamins. <laughs> yeah, they need some, man. I mean, now don't we have eight or nine linebackers on IR right now? Yeah, they all need to go see Mario. All the Broncos need to go see Mario. Um, Now, I will say this. That 11-6 and record, there's a caveat on that. We can hit that if we play like we did against the Cowboys. Correct. Now, if we play like we did against Washington or any of the other four games that we lost, take about half of those wins off. I agree. Yeah, 100%. So so then you're looking at like... Uh, like eight and nine. I I, th- I think we're gonna end now. <laughs> so here's the big question, and anyone is Alva either still with us, and even in the comments, uh, if you're able to catch us after the fact, I would have us at the nine and eight mark. So now at nine and eight, w- once you start looking at those wins and losses and how that all looks, where do you think that lands us as a team? Do you think that that has our team moving on from all our coaches? Do you think we retain some of our coaches and then get rid of others? Uh, or do you think that there might be some caveats in there to say if the offense is the problem, then maybe we just fire Shermer? Travis already asked, say we end up making the playoffs. Do we keep this coaching staff? I think that the game against the Cowboys showed better for Fangio than it did for any other coach. I still think that at the end of the season, no matter what, Shermer's gone. And McMahon possibly after the bye or at the bye. But I think that with, if we continue to play like we did against the Cowboys, Fangio stays. But either way, Shermer's gone. That, in, in my opinion. So I hate Shermer. I hate him. <laughs> with no, a I passion. No, 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 like, 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 even in our group chats, everyone's like, oh, we had a good offensive play. And my response is, I hate Shermer. So, I mean, he ran I, the ball well, despite Shermer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I hate Shermer. My my big caveat to all this, though, is if sh- I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, uh, Wizard, you don't either, really, right? In terms of like what's happening everything. behind closed doors. So, I know, you know everything. My, my bug inside Dove Valley just kind of ran out. It broke. It's, it's unfortunate. But, um, 
when it comes to this, if Shermer shows that he is in fact the solution in terms of if he's the one that's ca- that's making these game plans like we had against the Cowboys and has been able to execute them, and if he's able to continue to do that for the remaining games in the season and show similar results to what we had against the Cowboys, I will begrudgingly say that he should probably sh- keep his job only based on that fact that he was shown he was able to adjust, adjust and adapt. Now, that being said, I still think that he should be on a hot seat. And I think that we should do everything and and anything we can to retain guys like Shula and Azani because there's a good to better chance that Shermer decides to play like Shermer again at the beginning of the following season if we retain him and we need a new offensive coordinator. But if he is able to adapt and actually do what he did against the Cowboys, I mean, our offense looked awesome. Well, and that's that's what I was going to kind of say is like, I don't have a problem with what Shermer is supposed to be trying to do. I don't mind the scheme that he's trying to lay out. I don't mind that. The problem is that he's calling the plays at the wrong time and it makes you look stupid. Like, right. I'm trying to figure out, because between the Washington game and the Dallas game, they did not look like the same offense. So I want to know what happened between the Washington game and the Dallas game to all of a sudden Shermer is playing the proper plays at the proper time, the proper scheme, everything. Something had to happen to make that change. And I want to know what it is. That's exactly what I'm getting at. When we, for all of Shermer's games previous, we did not have a 45th percentile of 12 personnel, which is two tight ends on the field. And he did not have the two tight ends for the most majority of the game flanking both of our offensive tackles, which we had in preseason and it worked and we killed it in preseason with that same offensive look. So I completely agree with you. Now, is Shermer the guy that put out the game plan to adapt like that? Or since we saw some of those pulling guards, are we starting to see uh, maybe Elway or even um, Fangio start to look at a guy like uh, sure. Munchak. No, Munchak. Because, because because Munchak's offensive scheme is pulling guards. And that's his style of run. It's a lot closer to what we saw from Scangarello than say it is with like a Shermer offense. Shula has a similar or closer offense to Shermer. So if, if we're starting to see pulling guards and, and that style of play again, like we saw at the back end of 20, with uh, Drew Locke. Remember we saw the pulling guards with uh, the back end with Drew there when he started to look a little bit better. If we're starting to see Munchak creep more into the offensive offensive kind of game planning room, then that to me says all I need to know. Shermer's got to go and we need a new offensive coordinator because to my point earlier, Shermer then is not the solution. He's the problem. And I am perfectly fine with just <laughs> bumping up uh, bumping up Munchak. Yes, yeah. Or bumping up Shula. I'm fine with either one. Or or even Azani. Like, give him a shot. I am perfectly fine with promoting in-house instead of going out. Because then you're still keeping the same style of offense, but changing right. the things that need to be changed. Now, I do want to hit a, a certain couple things before we head out. Number one, I did miss having Noah Fant out there on the field. But the blocking was way better. Was Sobert. And then with Okawebunam on the field. 
you could definitely tell and back don't forget back could, don't forget back yep and back you could definitely yep. tell that the runs on the outside or close to the tackles were better because we had better blocking tight ends i have no issues with noah fant if he is i i understand that he lost his mother um at the beginning of the season i understand like if he needs a mental health break like by all means be my guest to go take one take the time you need but if if you're playing and fighting through it like you have got to block man you have got to hit those blocks you see how well the running game does when the tight ends are on the outside blocking it was night and day difference i I agree a hundred percent um I mean, I've been saying this since the beginning of the preseason when I saw that offensive style of play, and I've been saying it on Broncos Talk. I've been saying it in our group chats. I've been saying it to anyone who will listen. <laughs> that yeah. That's the style of offense that I want us to run. And it's not just because I like that style of offense, even though I do. I'm a rugby player, so I like that gritty style and, and that, you know, that type of play. But we have a unique advantage at the mile high in, in terms of our stadium with the altitude. If you can grind another team down and own that time of possession, you have a massive, massive advantage and you need to take advantage of it. And unfortunately with the air it out, three wide out sets and try to you know throw it 30, 40 yards downfield or 20 yards downfield, you are not taking advantage of the altitude advantage that you have in your home field. Yeah. Uh, now two more things I wanna hit. One is Teddy Bridgewater. Now we, during this, and I say we as in everybody in Broncos country, because we all went nuts. During that four game losing streak, we were all, ah, Teddy Bridgewater's terrible. Teddy Bridgewater sucks. He's not the answer, blah, 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 blah. He is technically and still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He is slated to throw for over 4,000 yards, over 25 touchdowns and under 10 interceptions. The best season he's ever had. Now, am I saying that he's the permanent answer? No. Am I saying he's a solution? No. Do I think that he's going to stick around for another year or two? There's a pretty good shot. At least and one. Why, I and why would you not? If 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 what you're wanting, let's 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 take free agent and trade quarterbacks off the table and just say we're going to go draft a rookie. Why would you not want to have a Teddy Bridgewater under center? for a year or two and let the not as good as last year quarterbacks sit behind Teddy Bridgewater and learn. Do I, do I have an issue with Drew Locke? No. Do I think he's going to be back with the Broncos? No. I think after this year, he's gone. He's done. Uh, Cause he's not going to start for the Broncos. He's, he's no. not. He's done. Um, so we need, we need to stop holding our quarterbacks to this high standard of perfection because even Peyton Manning and John Elway were not perfect by any means. Like there are going to be times where the quarterback holds the ball too long. There are going to be times where he overthrows the ball, underthrows the ball. It's going to happen. We cannot hold him to the standard of, oh, well, that ball was not a perfect spiral in the perfect place at the perfect time. It's not going to happen that often. Peyton Manning had a, a phrase and a saying that was attributed to some of his throws where he threw like they were ducks. Yeah. That is, that is not a flattering statement for a quarterback to have affiliated with their name. And at the end of the day, what matters is can a quarterback lead the team? 
Do the teammates respect the quarterback and the decisions and the direction that they give on the field? And more importantly, are they able to uh, force a leadership position on the team that affects both offense and defense? And I think Teddy ticks all of those boxes. And furthermore, any rookie quarterback would be lucky to have Teddy Bridgewater as a mentor in, in large part because he's been proving he's been willing to do it, <clears throat> Joe Flacco. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's important. Stab! Yeah. I think that's important for any young rookie quarterback is to have a, a, a veteran quarterback on their team that is at the very least willing to throw them a bone every so often to at least help them out. And Teddy, I think, is more likely to even mentor not even just throw them a bone but actually help them along and as a team do you want anything more because i don't that that to me is perfect yeah uh and my last point is give george payton a break like we i keep seeing all these tweets george payton is terrible i can't believe he got rid of philip Lindsay. i can't believe he benched drew lock i can't believe that he traded von miller listen other than Boone, name a person that he's added to this team that is not starting and playing fantastic right now. Exactly. Every single person that he's gone and gotten has been fantastic. They're either saving the season, they're starting, they're playing a key role, or they're being used to get draft picks next year. Like even the Von Miller trade. He didn't like he didn't play in Los Angeles game because his ankle was still hurt. And he's, he's not slated to play in the next game either because of his ankle. So that's three games we would have been without Vaughn. Who knows how many he's going to be out after that. And we got a second and a third round pick for him. Like right now, we have five top 100 picks. Right. And I think the Rams feel that they don't necessarily need Vaughn per se. I mean, I realized, right. they, I realized they didn't win the last one. But, I mean, it was pretty close, generally speaking. So I think the Rams feel that they can win without Von Miller and let him get healthy because I think they see Von Miller as the kind of that extra push that Miners gave Javante Williams to kind of finish the run. I think the Rams are looking at Von Miller as that guy. I think the, right. the Rams are seeing Von Miller as the one that they need to help him get over that last little hump and that hurdle. And the Broncos aren't weren't able to look at Von that way. If Von is on the Broncos, Von has to play because he oh, yeah. is that yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, so. Yeah. I, again, I, I'm sad that Vaughn is not with the Broncos just because I love the guy. But as far as the move that was made, was amazing. Getting two top 100 picks for Vaughn Miller when we could have only potentially gotten, what, a fifth or sixth round conditional yep. pick? You nailed it. So, And it's also the when. You're in a team right now that is coming off a 5-11 and season under the old CBA and the other and the old rules. Now we're in a 17 game or 17 week season or an 18 week season with 17 games. So in the new CBA, given how all the compensatory uh, picks work and the vested veterans and all that kind of stuff and the way that that kind of all kind of works itself out, the best possible pick the Denver Broncos could have received for a Hall of Fame outside linebacker first ballot edge rusher in Von Miller was a fifth round compensatory pick. That's it. That's the best you're getting when you have him leave at the end of this season. And instead, the Denver Broncos realized that we had an up and coming guy in John, Jonathan Cooper. We brought in Weatherly, who was able to fill it. I mean, he, he I, I agree with you. He, he was in my kind of like 1A, 1B mile high mountain picks for, for this past week. Yeah. And 
we had guys that we had on our roster that were able to rotate in and fill in. And then we get Reed back, who's another great rotational guy into that mix. We got amazing compensation for Von Miller. And it is, it's not even, you can't even argue it. Yeah, and then and then you look at all the other moves. I mean, we already said Kenny Young, Stephen Weatherly, probably the best move in the entire NFL during the season. Like that was an amazing trade. Um, both of them are, are working out and Can fitting we not in talk perfectly. About compensation? Right, and uh, it was what a sixth and no. a seventh is basically what we traded for both. Is what no, we gave up. No, we we traded a we traded a. Se- do we trade a sixth and get back a seventh? Yeah, we traded we traded a sixth and got back a seventh, and then, um, and then we traded they, and then we traded a seventh in twenty twenty three for a seventh. So I think one of the trades was a seventh in twenty twenty three's draft. Weatherly. So Weatherly was the seven for seven and Weatherly, and, and then and, Young and then was we the got back a twenty twenty two seven and Weatherly in that trade. Did we not? Yeah, and then so then with Young it was a sixth and a seventh to them and then they gave us a seventh back with young right i mean we basically got two sevenths and lost a sixth right so it is young is a starting inside linebacker 100 percent of the time on a good percentage of the teams and certainly on our denver broncos i was gonna say on 32 teams young yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and he is every team yeah yeah he, he is that darn good I have been super impressed with his level of play. He has that grit. He has that uh, that that leadership quality where you see him calling plays. And I also think that's underrated right now that a lot of people are not talking about is Young. Did you see his excitement when he was playing on our team? It, there was a lot of stuff that came out where he didn't want to be here. Um, if you well, saw see, the way- that, that wasn't the thing, though. He didn't say he didn't want to be with Denver. He was just upset that he got traded because he didn't know it was coming. No, and that's fine and good, but my, my point is narrative matters, right? And, yeah. And, and a guy like him had some um, negative negative kind of uh, comments thrown his way by, by means of, of Denver media and just media in general. And did you see the way he was cheering and, and excited with Teddy Bridgewater on the sideline in that, <laughs> that interview? interview? Teddy I mean, got hit and was like, oh. I mean, I mean like, my don't break a dude. Comment, Calm down. Was, let's simmer, please. Like, we need him. Let, let's, yeah, let's, don't let's, hurt him. Let's, don't, yeah, don't hurt him. Down. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and that and that doesn't even include you've got Caden Stearns, who has, what, three, four interceptions this year already? That doesn't include the sacks you've got, the tackles for losses, the pressures. And then you've got Baron Browning, who is amazing with Kenny Young. You got Jonathan Cooper, who is a steal for a seventh round pick. Agreed. And then, yeah. So, I mean, like, you have all of these. You got Williams on the offensive side of the ball. Like, you have all of these people that are playing for the Broncos that are just, that are minors. Um, uh, Bobby Massey was a good signing in the offseason. Teddy Bridgewater was a good signing for a quarterback for what, you know, what. Again, if we continue to play like we did against Dallas, he was a great signing to bring Agreed. in a quarterback. So, I mean, there's so many things that he's done that shows he's not giving up on this year and he's building for the future. I mean, we've got, what, the fourth youngest offense in the league right now? Yes, and and with with and we have, we have so much cap room potentially coming up, and if we can continue to develop some of our younger players, we really do have... Darby, uh, yeah, Darby's a great example. Fuller, we, we, now that he doesn't well, suck. Well, hold on. What, what I really like about Darby, well, 
<laughs> well, let's simmer down. Well, now we'll now that he doesn't to... suck for a game. Yeah. We need to see if he can stack those games on top of each other. Darby is a great signing because he was extended for multiple years. But what I've heard from uh, general, the media in general and kind of the news that has actually come out of kind of direct from mouth in terms of what Peyton has said directly and what other people have said directly um, that are affiliated is that the back end of the draft, like the guys like Stearns and, and uh, even some of these other players that you were mentioning, they were George Payton picks. They were ones that yeah. Payton worked with. And those were guys that he controlled to bring in, including some of those uh, really value signings that we had at kind of the back end of the roster. And like Steven, um, Shamar, Shamar Steven uh, in the defensive line was a, yeah. a George Payton uh, acquisition. And those are the types of guys that are starting to show out for our team when we need them the most. And they are gelling together as a group. That's what we need as a team, and that's what's going to win you football games. When you have a bunch of guys that are out there in name and that are trying to be, uh, to steal a, a term from uh, Shannon Sharp, uh, independent contractors, uh, independent contractors on the field that are trying to show out to kind of get contracts from another team, that's who you don't want on your team. Right. Because, because they're not working as a cohesive unit to try to win collectively as a group. Yeah, and so I, I am very excited based off of this year to see where we're going to go in the offseason because we have like i'm i'm only going to assume that with the amount of draft picks that we have that we are going to go after someone big my assumption and what i've seen on twitter from certain sources such as um albright locked on uh, or cody rourke mile high mario like all these people that we've been talking with in broncos country is um, you know, not so much Aaron Rodgers and definitely not Deshaun Watson, but like Russell Wilson, going after Russell Wilson. Um, that would be someone I could see going after and having all these draft picks that we now have lined up. How could you not see us making a good push for him? I mean, what other team in the NFL has as many draft selections as we do? Definitely not the Rams because they, <laughs> they don't have anything. Um, but they I mean, pick until like the fifth round now. Is that where they're at now in the draft? I I think the closest pick they have is a third rounder, maybe. I, they don't have yeah, any first. The compensatory pick. That's right. Yeah, yeah they don't have any first, yeah. and I think they just traded away their last second <laughs> to get Vaughn. I don't think they have a second round pick. Uh, so I think it's down. And like they don't have a first round pick for like the next four years. Like they're they have none. They're just. But at the same time, like the Rams are in win now mode. Are they going they are. to? Meh. Not based off of last game, they're not. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that right... And, and we kept saying that Denver was in was in a rebuild. I don't see that either. I, maybe a slight one. Um, but by slight, I mean, like, certain areas. So, like, we know... And, and a lot of it will, will, de- will de- depend on who we re-sign next year. Um, but I think that with the players that we've brought in... We don't have to worry as much about re-signing Jewel and re-signing Alexander Johnson and re-signing Glasgow or any of these other people that we now have people that can fill in for. So that leaves like Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. If we can re-sign them both, do it. If not, I'm going to be honest, I think I'd rather have Patrick. I'm in the same position. I realize that's an unpopular comment. Now, my only pushback a little bit on your on your statement there is... I want us to know who we want to be first. Yeah. 
so as an example, you and I started off earlier on in the pod here where we were discussing uh, Reisner and the fact that he looked really good earlier in his career and he's had fits and spurts when we've started to pull him as a guard where he's also looked pretty good. Right. Well, that's a specific offensive line style of play. And that's fine. That's awesome. That's been, that, that's that's exactly the right mindset to look at saying, I have a guy who's good at this. Let's make him do this. Well, th- that's cool. But Shermer doesn't stick with guys like that. And his offensive style is not pulling guards and stuff. So my comment back is, if we're going to run a Shermer style offense, then you need a Quinn Miners. You need other guys that are like Quinn Miners because that's who fits a Shermer style offense the best. However, if you're going to go back to a uh, Scangarello offense or a you know variant of the um, Shanahan offense or a Kubiak style offense, where you have, or even a Munchak style offense, where you have pulling guards and moving offensive linemen and that kind of stuff, then you retain a guy like Reisner and you look for guys that can fit that style of scheme. So, in my opinion, you need to know who you want to be first what you want to aim towards first steer the ship in that direction and then you draft accordingly i believe that the broncos have failed in that respect because they have not steered a ship first and then they've just drafted the guys they think that are good yeah and and that's that's one of those things with like especially if you went after uh let's let's say for example russell wilson again um pulling guards on with russell wilson as your quarterback Opens up so many more opportunities. Like I, yeah, I. Russell Wilson would not be a good fit in Shermer's offense. Nope. Russell Wilson would be a good fit in a Shanahan offense, because yep. because I mean, you look at Kubiak, you look at Shanahan, you look at Munchak. They're like the same thing, just with little variations. So any one of them would work well, because the Shanahan offense is based towards running the ball. And when you have a Russell Wilson that can get outside the pocket, you know, maybe not like Lamar can, but definitely better than Teddy can, can get out of the pocket, make some plays with his legs and do that kind of thing. That's the kind of offense you want. So I I agree. You have to decide where you want to go as far as an offensive style, go with that coach and then use that coach to go after the quarterback you want. Well, I'm actually looking at more than just the quarterback. I'm looking at linemen. Because the linemen are going to help protect the quarterback and keep them upright. And if you have a Miners, Miners seems to be able to do kind of both styles, right? He seems to be able to do the power style of Shermer. Yeah, he, he was pulling to, really well, too. Yeah, he was pulling really well. So he he's kind of the best of both worlds, whereas Reisner seems to do really well in pulling, but not so good in the power style, right? right. And, and, and that's fine. Like, like everyone has their own style and, and ability. Cushenberry, in my opinion, just needs to be replaced, and that's okay. You know, you tried, you got him in the third round, but but maybe that means that what we look at is we have, if we go to what you were saying and those pulling guards or the movement more on the offensive line, maybe you put Miners on the right in place of Glasgow, keep Reisner, maybe extend him on the cheap because he has to prove it still, and then maybe you just then go really high on a solid, solid offensive center. Yeah, so like a first-round center? Yeah, or, or you go second round center, but then first round right tackle, and then you end up with Bulls, you end up with Reisner, uh, uh, you know, second or third round offensive center, Miners, who's, I mean, I, I believe is deserved, deserving at this point now of a starting position, and a, a, a first round right tackle who can develop with that kind of growing offensive line from now until, you know, three, four years down the road or five years down the road. How, how old is Cam Fleming? Do you know? 
Uh, I thought he was late twenties. Cam Fleming. Is he late? I think he's late twenties. No. He's twenty nine. Yeah. Um, And then Bobby Massey is. I think he's in the same age range. No. He's thirty two. So if we had to pick, I would say stay away from right tackle and re-sign Fleming and keep Anderson and focus on a high center. If we had to go offensive line, I would say stick with Fleming. If we're if if our offensive identity is going to be a running attack, I love Cam Fleming on the right side. Yeah, he's good. I like him. So I'd say stick with Fleming or Anderson, whichever one's the better one. Stick with either one of them. Um, Because I believe Cam Fleming is still under contract for another year or two. Uh, I don't know. Was his a a single-year contract as well? I thought his might have been a single-year as well, but I have to double-check. Okay. So I say stick with Cam Fleming, stick with Calvin Anderson, and then go high on the center. And then you have Bowles, Reisner, the high draft pick center. You've got Miners, and then you got Fleming or Anderson. And I am sold. Go go do whatever you want at that point. <laughs> well, so my pushback on that is is running to the right side of the of the field is really important. And and while Fleming showed that he was halfway decent against the Cowboys, they are a smaller defensive line, like in terms of yeah. a defensive front team. So my pushback on that is if you have a guy like Russell Wilson who's aging. And then you're probably going to want to bring in a guy that you think that in the three to four year time horizon might be able to replace him if you really needed him, them to. I'm not saying you would. I'm just saying you might need him to. Or you could start pulling a Patriots kind of uh, churning at quarterback position where you develop a backup who looks really good. Other teams have a, a, an allure around them. And then you trade them for like a second round pick, even though you draft them in the fourth. So <laughs> you could do stuff yeah. like that. And then he's but- terrible. Yeah, and he's terrible, and then you you just get all the draft picks, right? Um, oh, what's like, that? What's that? Uh, uh, Matt, uh, he was behind was, Tom Brady. Was it um, Matt Flynn? Wasn't it? Yeah, Flynn? yeah, it was Matt Flynn, Flynn. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but um, but but my only point there is, I actually believe that offensive tackles are premiums in the league, and if you can get two solid bookends on either side that you can run behind particularly on the mile high and, and empower field here. I think that is to your benefit. So if I had to pick, I would Matt look Castle. at him. Matt Herman. Castle. He's oh, the Matt one. Castle. Matt oh. Castle. Okay. So so if I had to pick, I would actually go for a really high draft pick, maybe second round. Remember, we got an extra second round this year. So if there's one of those yep. right tackles that drops to the second round that we really like for run blocking, I would pick him up in the second round. And then... I think that an offensive center in those first two rounds or three rounds is going to be important for us as well. And if you can solidify that offensive line, get another kind of D end or D tackle that can kind of rush the passer as well on the defensive side of the ball and solidify the interior of your both interior and the outer side of the offensive line, we we can be a legitimately dangerous team. Yeah. So with that, it's been almost two hours, man. This has been too much fun. I know. Uh, <laughs> screw, screw you, Adon. You can't come back. <laughs> You're fired. Uh, <laughs> with, with that, we're going to go ahead and end the podcast. So make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share, turn on notifications so you can catch all of our content when it is posted. 
Make sure you're also tuning in to the MHRT Podcast, our flagship show on Thursdays at 7654. The Nothing Rhymes the Orange and Blue Podcast on Friday at 7654. And MHRT Network's very own pregame show, The Neighborhood, that airs before every Broncos game. You can also catch all of the audio versions of the podcast on all the major podcast streaming services. We have all of those links in the description below. We love you all. We love Broncos country. Now we're going to go ahead and do what Johnny has made famous and what we are going to eventually get on Empower Field, the Mile High Five. Rich, are you ready? I'm good to go. Okay, I'm going to try to do this without hurting myself. So let's go. Mile High Five! Done! There we go. We will see everybody for the... Uh, which one's next? Oh, the MHRT. Mine. The MHRT podcast on Thursday at 7654. We'll see you guys then. We are Audi. Go Broncos.